morning, God. Help us to hold on to the morning, God. Help us to hold on to the morning, God. For the God in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Almighty God. I thank you, Lord God, that you love, Lord, your people enough, Lord, to send your son for us, Lord. I thank you, Lord God. Lord, if we were the only one, God, you would have sent Jesus for us, Lord God. You said the very hairs on our head are numbered, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, Lord. I thank you, you said that we bring pleasure to your heart, God. I thank you, Lord God, Lord. Oh, I give you glory. I give you glory this morning, Lord. I give you honor, God, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord. You've been good to me, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, Lord. Oh, God, for every situation that seemed impossible, Lord. God, you made a way, God. I thank you for it, Almighty God, Lord. I thank you, you're a way maker, Lord God, Lord. You're a promise keeper, Lord God. I thank you for it, Lord God. Oh, God, Lord. You're dependable, Lord God. You're reliable, God. You trust word to God. Lord, you never leave your people, God. You never forsake us, Lord God. You never abandon us when we need you, God. I thank you for this morning, Lord God, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit, God. I thank you, Almighty God, Lord. Oh, I decree miracles in the service this morning, God. Oh, God, you know what your people need, God. Give your people the desires of their heart this morning, God. Give it to them, Almighty God, Lord. Oh, God, help them, Lord God, Lord, to see through the eyes of faith, God, that all things are possible unto him that believes, that nothing is possible with you, God. I thank you, Lord. Help to take the limit off of you, God, Lord. God, and help us, Lord God. And let the Spirit of God have recourse this morning, God, in the name of Jesus. I loose for the angels of God in this place, God. I loose from the parking lot, God, in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the people of God say and shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And while you're shouting hallelujah, can we say amen again to that prayer? Amen. How many people came to worship and praise the Lord and to receive a word on this morning? I need you to lift your hands and just say hallelujah. And after you lift your hands, can you put those hands together and clap those hands and give God some praise? I need you to look at somebody and say good morning. And for those who are tuning in with us, we say good morning to you. And if you don't mind, can you like and share this praise party and this word that's going to go forth this morning. Now look at somebody else and say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to bless his name. Even out there, if you're joining with us, we don't know what you came to do, but we came to praise his name this morning. Let me make sure y'all ready. I don't know what you come to do. I don't know what you come to do. Y'all good. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Can we put a different spin on it? Just a little Zydeco spin on it if you don't mind. Clap your hands like this. Come on.
What a blessing to be here this morning. We are grateful for every one of you. Will you help me thank God for our worship team one more time? It's good just to share with God that you love him. Please permit me to say thank you to all of you that have been praying with us for the family of Brother in Dickiness Ward. Uh, both of them have, have now gone to be with the Lord and we are still grateful that God remains faithful. So we ask that you continue to pray for the family and let's continue to trust God whether in life or in death. God is still a healer. Amen. Also, please do not forget concerning our insurance enrollment. If you are interested in getting a life insurance through our church, uh, make your mark your calendar on February the 20th and the 21st. We ask that you come to the church building. Those insurance rape will be here. And of course, they will attend to you. So many of us have signed up. I am told there are 39 people enrolled. Our goal is to have at least 200 from our church. All minds clear? All right. Will you please stand with me for the reading of the word? Open your Bible to a very familiar scripture. The book is Psalms. The chapter is 11 and verse number 3. All right. The book is the Psalms of David. Psalms 11, verse number 3. If you find it, please say amen. amen. The Bible simply said, If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this special day. Thank you for those who are in relationship and they are doing well. Lord, we pray that they will continue to do well. Thank you, O oh God, for those who are struggling in their relationship. Lord, we pray for healing. 
We know nothing is too hard for you. Lord, we thank you for those who are believing God to get in a relationship. Lord, we pray that you will send the right people along their pathways. We trust you with our families. We trust you with our children. We trust you with our loved ones. And Lord, we pray that you have your way in our worship experience this morning. Use me to be a channel of blessing to somebody. Help me to preach your word, to teach your word, to make it plain that we all can go home better than we, than we came. I thank you for the anointing in this house, anointing to preach and teach, anointing to hear the word of God. And we thank you that the word of God will profit us today. In Jesus' name. And the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me start out by saying happy, happy Valentine's Day to every one of us. It is a good day to be in the house of God. And thank you for your faithfulness for showing up this morning. Today, by permission of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be talking with you on a topic that I called a straight talk about relationship. As I'm mindful of the fact that today is Valentine's Day, we have singles, we have married, we have people who are engaged, we have people in relationship. And I thought if the Holy Spirit would let me, I'd like to share with you some straight talk about relationship. Uh, even this will benefit those of you who are not yet in relationship. Because at least you know what to look for. You know what to do. And if you say, Pastor, I'm not even trying to get in a relationship. Well, watch out. Your sons and your daughters. Your grandchildren. You need to know what does says the Lord so that when they come to you and say, Grandma or Grandpa, what do I do? You will not be just counting the ceiling. The Bible says in all of your getting, get understanding. So you may not need this today, but believe me when I tell you, the day will come when you will wish you had paid much attention. So the topic for discussion is titled, A Straight Talk about relationship. Uh, many of you know that we are blessed in this church with many buildings. And one of the buildings that we have is our old church. What some of you may not know was that we were having some challenges 
with that building. The building is paid for, thank God, for all the members and all the soldiers that were here before us for their faithfulness. But I recall we were having challenges. The ceiling was becoming a problem. The flooring was caving in. And then there was crack on the walls. And we have a part of that building called the basement. For whatever reason, it was filled with mosquitoes. And of course, as pastor, what I know how to do is to lead the church to deal with each of these problems one by one. And I'm grateful for the elders and the leaders. Once the pastor say, let's do this, they go after it. Spend bugu money fixing the ceilings. Spend bugu money dealing with the mosquitoes in the basement. We have to literally cut uh, space on the walls so that the basement there could be some breathing. Even the walls, the cracks. We brought somebody in, fix it. But I noticed one thing that is unusual, and that is that after we fix the crack, the crack resurfaces again. Well, in my mind, I thought we just have a bad repairer. So my lawyer instinct kicked in. Oh, we're going to sue you. You better come fix your problem. And sure enough, the repairer came and fixed the crack on the wall again. I said, okay, now everybody is happy. I like you, you like me. And then he went his way. But later on, you won't believe it. And there was crack again. So now I begin to think that maybe we got the wrong repairer. So let's try something else. So this is not something to fight about. We just need somebody who knows what they're doing. So we got a new repairer to come in. And sure enough, he looked at the problems. He, he walked through the building. He said, Brother Pastor, I cannot help you. What do you mean you cannot help me? Can't you see? Do you see the cracks? He said, yes, I do. So why can't you help me? Are you not a repair person? You don't know how to fix cracks? He said, I do. But your problem is not crack. He said, what you are seeing on your wall is symptom of much deeper problem. I said, talk to me. He said, your problem is that there's a shift in your foundation. 
Then he told me, if you don't fix the foundation, you will be forever patching the walls. There will be more cracks. Your real problem is in your foundation. And you know, when I think about relationship, I notice that we're too busy fixing the cracks. But the real problem with most relationship is in the foundation. So by permission of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you and teach you how to deal with the foundation of your relationship so you can be happy. I can come here today and spend the next one hour talking about the cracks in our marriage, the cracks in our relationship. I know a lot about cracks. I fixed several in my own life. I can talk about communication cracks. I can talk about intimacy cracks. I can talk about economics. That's another kind of cracks. I can talk about third party. People from outside, lizards, trying to come in. But the truth be told, we all got cracks. You got cracks. I got cracks. All God's children. Ain't <laughs> nobody shouting today. <laughs> we got cracks in our relationship. But my assignment, as I told you, is not to fix any cracks but to share with you the foundation, to deal with the foundation of relationship. Why? Because if we fix the foundation, just like that repairman told me, all the cracks will go away. My wife and I would do a lot of marriage counseling. Um, we'd like to do it together so when people ask me for counseling, I bring her along because she have a, a different perspective, a unique perspective. Many times she look at things from a woman's standpoint. So I needed that. And so, but when people come in, the first thing I tell them is to let them know they're not dealing with a novice that we know what we're talking about. I'm quick to point out to them that I have been in pastoral ministry for 24 years, more than two decades, preaching, teaching, counseling, doing other things that preachers do. Many of them don't know that. I'm quick to point out to them that Besides just my knowledge of the word of God, that I also know the legal aspect of relationship. That I have been practicing law for more than 30 years. Amen. 
So I let them know, no, you're not coming to a dummy. So we're going to have some serious talk. I will even share with them the fact that I've published in the area of relationship. And I will, I will, sometimes I give them free copies of my book. I say, so you, you're sitting in front of an expert in this, on this subject. And then I will tell them, that not only do I have those skills set, but we have been married for more than 34 years. You know? And now they look at me and say, whoa. Okay. And then I notice when we get to Q&A section of the counseling, the common question they want to know is, what is your secret? Sister Elizabeth, pastor, can you tell me the bottom line? What are the secrets to a successful relationship? Well, we don't want to lie to them. And we are, by nature, we are very transparent. Most of the time, I am transparent. My wife is more reserved, you know. So, and then I will try to explain to them, those 34 years, it's not because we're good. And I will tell them, it's not because we are perfect. I will even tell them that it's not because we are so holy. Now they're wondering, they say, oh, Lord, what have I got myself into? But I wanted to be honest with them. I wanted to be transparent. I will even share with them, it was not because it was so easy. And it was not because we pray more than other people. I will even tell people who are sitting in front of me, I will say, don't be fooled. We have not survived all this year. It's not because we never argue. It's not because we never get mad at each other. It's not because we've never forced at each other. Now you can see their, their mind spinning. Well, if you're not that good, if you're not that perfect, if you're not that holy, how you all stay together all these years? We are quick to point out to all of these precious people that our secret is paying attention to the foundation to relationship. That's what I want to talk about. If you don't get this, everything else don't matter. But if you get hold of what I'm about to share with you, believe me when I tell you, a lot of the crust that you're fixing right now will go away. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, too many of us, we spend a lot of our time and a lot of our money fixing cracks on the wall. We never dealt with the foundation. We never addressed the real problem 
And here the Bible is telling you and me today in Psalms 11 verse 3. It said, if the foundation is messed up, the game is over. So if you don't get anything else, I want to bless you on this Valentine's Day. Fix the foundation of your relationship. That's the key. Ladies and gentlemen, we learned that from the old church so that when we were trying to build this church, the very building you're sitting in now, guess what we had to do? I know many of you are new. You need to know this. The first thing we deal with in this building is to fix the foundation. Because we learn. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in case you don't know, when you're trying to build anything in this neck of the wood, the first thing you do after you get the land is that you have to bring a company that does geotechnical work. They would dig holes into your ground to see what kind of soil you got, to see if this land can stand a building on it. And we did that. And bless God, they came and, and told us what most of us already knew, that most ground in Pineville, not a put down, just stating the facts, is clay. All right? So they said, therefore, we will have to take all this bad sand or whatever, soil. We have to remove all of it and bring in new soil before you can build. Because if we don't do that, your foundation, you will have problems. They also explained to us, <laughs> I see some of my deacons saying, yeah, I remember, I remember. The, what I'm explaining to you cost boogoo money. I still have the numbers in my head. If I begin to tell you the numbers, some of you will either cry for us or thank God we made it. Then they said, even with all those new soil, there's still no, no, no guarantee that there'll be no cracks in your wall. So I told them, I don't like what I'm hearing. I want that fixed because I've been through that in the other building. Where they gave us different options and we settled for something called post-tension foundation. Where... I don't have time to get too deep into what it is, but the bottom line is that this building, even though it's on the ground, you can pick it up, you can put it on an ocean, it will float. So they did a post-tension foundation that the building, the ground can shift all day but the building will not be affected. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, hey. 
I tell you, it's amazing how simple the Bible is if you can really bring it to life. Every relationship needs a post-tension foundation. Tension will come. But if your foundation is post-tension, storm may rise and wind may blow. Your home will still be standing. So what is the foundation for a good relationship? One word can summarize it. Amazing how simple the word of God is. First I said, stop wasting your energy on the cracks. Deal with the foundation. Now I'm telling you when it comes to relationship, one word can sum it all. And if you attend to this one word, your foundation will stand. That word is called covenant. What did I call it? Covenant. Don't forget that. The problem with many relationships, many marriages, is based on contract and not a covenant. So from the get-go, we're already in trouble. Notice that covenants you cannot break. Contracts, people break it all the time. God is a God of covenant. Amen. God operates not in contract, but in covenant. Your Bible is full of all kinds of of covenants that God cuts with people. I wish I have time just to preach on that someday. Because you remember, he cut a covenant with Adam. He cut a covenant with Noah. Remember the rainbow? Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. He put a rainbow in the sky. He caught a covenant with Abraham. Remember Genesis chapter 17, verse number 2? How he, he told Abraham and all of his children to get themselves circumcised to seal the covenant. He caught covenant even with the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus caught covenant with you and me. You know how we take the communion and somebody will take the cup and we say, Jesus said, this is my covenant, my blood covenant. So the Bible is a book of covenant. Your God, my God, is a covenant maker, a covenant keeper, and not a covenant breaker. In fact, Psalms 89 verse 34 says, God is speaking. He said, my covenant I will never break. The problem with many of our relationships is not grounded in covenant. 
Well, brother pastor, then, okay, I get it. So what is a covenant? I'm glad you asked. A covenant, believe it or not, is simply an agreement. Then you say, well, 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 if it's just an agreement, so what's the big deal? How is that different from contracts? Well, <laughs> I happen to be a lawyer. I can explain that very quickly. A contract is just between the parties. In other words, a contract in, in a marriage, for example, is purely horizontal between husband and the wife. And the two of you stand before somebody and you say, I do. All right? That's a contract. But a covenant is not only horizontal between husband and wife, it's also vertical between you and God. So the difference is that God is involved in one, the other one God is not. That's the first mistake. You're trying to make it without God. And God said, without me, you can do absolutely nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 9, God said, I will keep you in covenant. And the covenant that I have with you will prosper you. Why am I calling your attention to that? Because many of you will say, well, why do I have to have my relationship based on covenant? Why a covenant? What if I don't want to involve God? First of all, first of all I can't say what I think of you. Because that would not be good for TV. When a person makes a conscious decision... I want to get into something that will take the rest of my life, but I don't want to involve God. That's very unwise. But most importantly, that, that scripture in Deuteronomy is saying, covenant is meant to prosper you. You want your marriage to prosper. You want your relationship to prosper. You want your business, the work of your hand to prosper. That is why I'm quick to point out to my parishioner, it's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm so holy. It's not because I'm perfect. In fact, many times I will tell them, you may be more holy than me. They say, oh, Lord. I said, well, you need a pastor like that. Somebody needs to be blunt and straight talk with you. But the Bible says, except the Lord build the house. Psalms 127, verse 1. Everybody that labor, the husband, the wife, your counselor, your pastor, anybody else you get involved. You're wasting your time. It will never work. You'll find yourself constantly patching the walls, fixing the crack. And the moment you finish fixing one crack, another one will show up. 
covenant is designed to benefit you. So the key is for you and me to understand this thing called covenant and not only to understand it, to begin to operate in it. And if you've made mistake in a relationship, then we can fix it. Deal with the foundation. Just like I had to learn my lesson from our old church. So that when it's time to build this one, I say, oh, not again. Covenant, ladies and gentlemen, in relationship is like an umbrella. What I'm saying to you is that it's going to rain. Life is full of rain. But oh, it's good to have an umbrella. So that when it starts to rain, you are covered. You are protected. To tell you, oh, I wish I had time to do it. Uh, to tell you how important this covenant thing is, you remember when, when David went to, to visit his brothers and they were at war and blessed God. David noticed a gentleman nine feet six inch, inches tall. His name is Goliath. And he's booming and cursing the people of Israel. Send somebody, I'll, I'll crush you. And David was a little boy, and noticed, and said, huh, what the world is going on here? Where's everybody? Guess where they are? They're hiding in their foxhole. Then David found out, because I got to hurry up, David found out that this man has been cursing them out and challenging them and cursing their mama for 40 days. And they couldn't do nothing about it. How would you like somebody talking about your mama for 40 days? Just think about it. David said, oh, I can whoop him. Oh, they just ignored David, you little brat. You have no clue what's going on here. This is real war here. This ain't no little boy's play. David convinced the king to let him go and fight. You all know the story. He said, I, I fight lions. I fight bear. He said, this, this big teddy bear, I can knock him out. And you know what David said to that man is what got my attention. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Everybody is looking at his size, but David is looking down that this boy has not been caught. This boy has not been to the doctor. Why is that important? Because when God caught a covenant with Abraham, he got everybody circumcised. And because they were circumcised, he said, you are covered. Your circumcision is your umbrella. So David understood what I'm trying to teach you today concerning your marriage, concerning your relationship. 
that if you put it under the covenant, you can beat the odds. You know what happened with David and Goliath. He whooped his eye whooping. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus help me. Now, for the sake of time, <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. <laughs> for the sake of time, let me just mention a few things and let you go. If you're going to get your relationship under the covenant, there are five ingredients. How many? Five. So this is what you need to grab hold of. You've got to practice it in your, in your relationship. This is what makes us survive, even though we're not always good, even though we have flaws. You're not going to find too many pastors that will get on TV and say, yeah, I'm not that good. But this thing called covenant, will sustain your marriage, will sustain your relationship, will fix every crack on your marriage wall. And covenant in God has five ingredients. Number one, covenants are transcendent. What do I mean by that? God is in charge. He's it's not just a party to that agreement. He's in charge. Why is that important? You have to remember that this thing called relationship, this thing called marriage, it was not your idea. It was God's idea. Did any of you study? No. Did I study? No. Long before you and I show up, it was him that said to Adam, it's not good for a man to be alone. Negro, you need help. I'm trying to put it in plain English. The Bible is not really complicated. You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he who started the idea of relationship, the idea of marriage, he has some rules in place. So he is transcending. You don't question those rules. You don't come up with a new rules. You have to learn. The husband, the wife, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, if you want to make it, you just have to get with the program. Let me give you an example. You remember in Ephesians 5, 31, how he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his own wife, and the two of them will become one. See, those were not just suggestions. He instituted marriage. He put that rule in place. So you have to play by the rules. The rule is basically oneness. All right? It said the two of you must be one flesh. A lot of people, by the way, who oh, I wish I have time, they, they misunderstand that. 
I see all kinds of craziness in America. It blows my mind. Because in their mind, oneness simply means uh, finding somebody to complete you. But really, that's a misunderstanding of the word. The Bible never says, so shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his own wife, and the two halves will become one. No. You Americans, you make that up. Another thing that blows my mind that you guys be doing here, you know some things, you, you just have to smile. And you can't really, you can't help it. You just say, well, bless their heart. You know people will come at weddings and then the husband will have a candle and the wife will have a candle and then they, they, they will light the candle and then they will have another big candle in the middle. My fellow Americans, this is really a drama. I watched this for 20-something years. And then they will, they, will, they will both light the candle in the middle. And then when the candle in the middle is lighted, and then they will, they will put out their own individual. And in their mind, now we are one. You tripping. If you think just blowing out your candle and... I mean, some of these things just, sometimes I'll go home and be asking my wife, I say, am, am I an E.T. or did I miss something? And then she'll say, no, no, you just, your job is just to perform this ceremony. Don't worry about what, what Americans do. Sometimes they bring uh, some sand, they, they buy some, some precious soil from from India or from China, and then they have a bottle, and they both pour it, and now we are one. Really? <laughs> so come on, people. <laughs> it's not about you be, being half and finding somebody to complete you. You are already completed in Christ. I mean, if that were the case, are you saying Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, never married anybody? So are you saying, therefore, all those epistles with God is only 50% accurate because he's single? You see how stupid that, that, that Even Jesus Christ, we worship him every day. We pray to him. He never married anyone. So do you think we are worshiping an incomplete God? So marriage is not about finding somebody to complete you. In fact, I will submit to you, if two halves come together to be married, they will make a big mess. Are you all still here? The truth be told, each of you are complete. Each of you are unique. You don't lose your uniqueness just because you're married. 
Elizabeth and I, we are, we are like night and day, very different. She's more into family. She's a family person. I'm more into achieving. Now, let's go to the moon. Let's go to the Mars. She could care less. Totally different individuals. But the two of you, you bring your uniqueness. Hallelujah. And then you make a decision to love. Oh, that's another summer by itself. What is love? Love is not none of this. Love is like a, 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 an inching of the heart. You can't even scratch it. It's a decision. Has nothing to do with what you get in return. You make a decision. I'm going to love this man. I'm going to love this woman. And biblical definition of love attaches whether good time or bad time, in sickness or in death. It's a decision. That's part of the covenant. The reason why you, you, you be, oh, I'm going to the lawyer, I'm going to the court. You never made a decision. You're still wumbling. But when you decide, do you think I don't get on Elizabeth's nerves. You just my church member. I get on your nerves. It's a decision. It's a choice. That come hell or high water, I made up my mind to marry you. I'm just giving you an example. I don't have much time to, to work with today. Because this is something I can do all month. If it's left to me, I'll take a whole month in a year just teaching a relationship. Do you remember how he said what God puts together? Let no man put a shunder. Then as soon as something messed up, we'll run to the court. Who is at the court? A man. In black dress. And then we say, tear it apart. After he, he told you what God put together, let no man. And then you go right to a man. And say, put it apart. I'm sick and tired of Brother Baba. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Don't let a man overrule God. When I talk about an ingredient to covenant, transcending is the first one. God is in charge. He's a part of that covenant. Let him rule. If it's up to the two of you, you're going to mess it up. You're going to screw it up. i got to hurry up. Number two ingredient in a covenant is that there is hierarchy. Many of you, my fellow Americans, you can't deal with that. But it's scripture. 
In other words, there is a chain of command. You don't need to be mad at me. You don't need to pop your neck or roll your eyes. That's why I give you the scripture. You can read, you smile. Everybody is equal in the sight of God, but everybody is not in leadership. Everybody don't have the same responsibility. And I'm not talking about skills. You can have a sister that have more talent and more skill than a brother. I have some of them in my house. And they'll tell me, they're quick to let me know, look, I'm an expert in this. You don't know that. Shut up, listen. And I will listen. So there's a difference between skills and talents and the hierarchy that God puts in place for relationship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, oh, I've got to hurry up, Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it lets you, it gives you an idea of what, where he stands. Apply it in your marriage. He said the head of man is what who? Christ. Is that in your Bible? He said the head of a woman is who? Is that in your Bible? Then he said the head of Christ is who? He set it up that way. And the problem is that we put things out of order. We come up with our own. Oh, no, 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 no. You know my head. You, no, no, no. This is going to be 50-50. That's the American. <laughs> now you're going to be calling pastor. I got to have counseling. I got, you're just patching the walls. The foundation is messed up. God, in his grace and mercy, not only show you that he has hierarchy, Jesus Christ said, in my hierarchy with God, he said, I only do what God tells me. The Father sent the Son, and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit showed up, he said, I will only confirm what the Son had done. Hierarchy is a dangerous thing in a church when the deacons are trying to be pastor. Hey, don't turn me up. <laughs> you want to know why this church is blessed? It is not because your pastor is good. The first thing I did is to set the church in order. I know about covenant. I know how you get blessed. Go home, set your house in order so you can be blessed. Ain't nobody shouting today. He gave you an example. You can't say, I really don't understand. You understand? He said, Look at Sarah. First Peter. 
He said, Sarah called her husband Lord. Try it. <laughs> oh, goodness. I wish I had time to really get into this. Because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, because men have failed. He said, now your women now rule over you. And your children are in rebellion. More than 70% of children born in our neck of the wood, born out of wedlock. The Bible works. Try it. You cannot sub supplant it or replace it with some African culture or Chinese culture or American culture or whatever culture. It will never work. You find yourself constantly patching the wall, fixing the crack. Wouldn't it be nice when your husband or your wife messed up and you look him in the face or her in the face and say, I choose to love you. Has nothing to do. I know we're not talking right now. I know we don't get along. I know you can't even stand my presence. But I choose. See, biblical love is a decision. The Bible talks about even how he loved us. He said, while we were yet a sinner, we're no good. He didn't wait until we get it right. Many of you are struggling because you are still waiting for the other person to get it right. You will be waiting forever. Try the covenant way. The first ingredient, God is transcendent. He's in charge. Follow his rule. The second ingredient, there are hierarchies. Amen. Hierarchy. The third ingredient is that there are rules of engagement in a covenant. You play by that rule, you get blessed. Say, for example, Ephesians 5.33, it said, husband, love your wife. That's the rule. You don't do that, you're not going to make it. In that same verse, another rule is that wives reference your husband. That's the rule. I told you the definition of love in the Bible. So when God said, husband, love your wife, you got to make up your mind. Stop calling me. Amen. Amen. I've been saying, why? I mean, how many times do we have to spare two plus two equals four? Amen. 
It's a decision. You've got to make up your mind you're going to love her no matter what. And when the Bible says to sister, reference your husband. It means hold your husband in high esteem. That's what I was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. When Sarah said to her husband, you my Lord, she hold him in high esteem. That don't mean Abraham was always a good man. And because she hold her husband in high esteem, I will submit to you theologically, that's why she was able to get pregnant at, at the age 90. Can I be brutally honest with you sisters here? Don't expect a miracle from God when you do not reference your husband. You cannot disrespect him and expect God to bless you. God would never operate outside his covenant. Many of you are struggling today because you chose not to operate in God's covenant. That's your decision. Good luck to you. Let me talk about two more. I'm out of time anyway. Number four. You see, the first one, the transcendent of God. The second one, the hierarchy. The third one, rules of engagement. Number four, there are sanctions in a covenant. God's had things in place. If you do it right, blessing. If you do it wrong, curses. And then he said, you choose. You show me a man or a woman that is cursed, I'll show you somebody who chose to be cursed. There are sanctions. You have to make up your mind. When you break the rules, just like your children, your children break the rule, you spank them. Yes, I said it. You always say time out, time, time out. What, what time out? Somebody needs to set this culture straight. Train up your child the way she go. When it grow up, it won't depart from. He said, don't spare the rod. You spoil your child. Don't turn me off. You know I'm telling the truth. Now we've got all these kids. The jailhouse is full of young people. Just acting a monkey. There are sanctions. The next time I come out, talk about the fifth one. It's called inheritance. God's purpose. I get the worship team to come back. I'm out of time. 
God's purpose in relationship is really not even about you or me. He's trying to establish the kingdom. From generation to generation. You just an instrument. There's something that is called transgenerational blessing. You hear God talks about, I'm God of Abraham. I'm God of Isaac. I'm God of, by the way, in case you don't know, Abraham had a wife. In case you don't know, Isaac had a wife. In case you don't know, Jacob had a wife. Not one time did he ever mention them. Not because he doesn't care about women. All God's children are equal. But he set up hierarchy. That's why he came to the garden. When Adam was messing up and Eve started it, he knew what was going on. But when he came, he said, Adam, where are you? Adam could have said, hey, don't make me a scapegoat. It takes two to tangle up in here. But no, brothers, you are responsible. Even when it's not your fault. Anything that happened in my home, you're looking at the, the box stops here. When the kids won't have right. When the wife messed up. When I messed up. And God is going to call you to account. Let's do it God's way. So we all can be blessed. Thank you all for tolerating me. I'm out of time but not out of message. Everybody stand to your feet. Let's pray. Brother Deacon, you come up here. Come pray for us. This is Deacon Willie Jackson. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One thing I love about the Bible is just so, it's so simple. It's not really complicated. You walk in the light. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we come before your throne right now, Lord, just thanking you for an end-time message. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy this morning. Thank you that your mercies are new every day, Father. We just praise you right now for the word that's gone forth, Lord. We pray that our hearts and our minds be open to receive your word right now, Lord. Thank you for a firm foundation in our relationships. Father, we thank you right now for by your stripes we are healed. Our marriages, our relationships are healed. And we just plead the blood of Jesus upon every, every relationship right now. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you that you cover us with your wings right now. Father, we thank you 
that no weapon fashioned against our relationship shall prosper. Father, we thank you right now for your grace again. We thank you for your mercies. And Lord, as we leave this place, we'll never leave your presence for you say you will always be with us. And we thank you right now, Lord. Bless everyone that's present today. Bless their families and their loved ones. And Lord, we lift up those that are in bereavement right now. Father, we know that the enemy come to kill, steal, and destroy. But we thank you that you came to give us life and give any more abundance. We thank you that you give us hope. <laughs> we thank you that you give us joy. You give us peace, Lord, in the midst of the storm. And Father, we just give you praise right now. We give you honor right now. We give you glory right now, Lord, because we know <laughs> that the enemy don't win. We're already victorious in Christ Jesus. And Father, we just praise you for it right now. Oh, yes, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. You're worthy right now, Lord. We, you're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. But we realize when this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have a building not made by hands, eternal in heaven. And we just praise you for it right now. We thank you, Lord, that we're just sojourners passing through. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. And we bless your name for our pastor, Lord. Continue to lift him up. Continue to cover him with your mercies right now. His wife, his family, Lord, we thank you for him right now, Lord. We thank you that the word will continue to go forth through him. Use him, Lord, in a mighty way. And we just say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Trouble don't last always. That joy comes in the morning. Y'all believe that this morning? I'm trading my sorrows and I'm trading my shame. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. Whoa. And I'm trading my sickness and I'm trading my pain. joy of the Lord. So now I'm trading my sorrow. And I'm trading my shame. Laying it down for the joy of the Lord. And I'm trading my sickness. Anybody trading your pain? Persecuted, not abandoned. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. See, I'm blessed beyond the curse, but the promise to endure. And it's joy, it's gonna be my strength. Though the dark clouds may last for a night, but joy. I'm trading. And I'm trading my shame. Laying it down. 
said yes lord yes lord yes yes lord said yes lord yes lord yes yes lord said yes lord yes lord yes yes lord amen come on if you're in agreement come on and help me say yes lord yes lord